Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PD Sports Podcast. What a week of Premier League action we've had once again, and I am joined by Damo. How you going, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. Big weekend of sport. I'm sleep-deprived. It's the best feeling in the world, for yeah. sure. You're very lucky that it all fell in the Easter period as well, that we've had an extra day off to be able to uh, get some content and be able to watch sort of the full run of Premier League fixtures. So, look, there's one place to start. What a game. Oh. What a game we witnessed this morning. You know, our time, one o'clock in the morning, kickoff. How are we going to do it? The game made it very, very easy to stay awake because sure. Arsenal came absolutely flying out the gates. Where do we even start? <laughs> I think the best way to sum up how Arsenal started is my mate, Lewis, shout out Lou, who does listen to the podcast. He's an Arsenal supporter. And he messaged, uh, he messaged, messaged uh, the boys. Um, there about Martinelli and I was like, we're going to get pumped here. They were ludicrously good. Yeah, they were bouncing. They looked like champions that first 20 minutes. Martinelli gave Trent a bit of a bath, um, which highlights some issues with Liverpool, but I'm sure we'll mention. That second half, though, just encapsulates what Anfield's about, what Liverpool's about in terms of its history. And, you know, to be fair to Arsenal, that should be viewed as a point gain, not two points lost. Yeah, let's delve into that first half to start with. That's what we've seen from Arsenal so far this year, though. Like, you know, they've been a team that does start quick. And that's where it's frustrating from a Liverpool perspective because you know that Arsenal are going to do that. They did it to us at the Emirates. Correct. They've done it to many, many teams this year already. And we weren't able to deal with it. Now, Arsenal, as you said already, identified where a problem was. It was actually interesting that the second goal comes down the left-hand side from memory. Yeah. Um, sorry, one true. of the goals, though. Which the first goal. First goal, come, first goal, goal comes down from the left. Sorry. But uh, Martinelli comes inside and Trent. Trent never gets goal side. That's right. Um, it's that first goal. If you have a look at that first goal and the first goal Arsenal scored at the Emirates, very similar. They actually got a 5v4 against our flat four with yeah. five. And I feel like as much as we can blame Trent, it's just the beauty of watching Arsenal at the minute. Committing numbers forward. Who's another team in the Prem that gets five guys? against four defenders in the Prem. Yeah. There's only one other, and they could Manchester City. So uh, you can see a bit of the pep in it, which is why Arteta's probably having as good of a year. Yeah. Um, and, and they exploit the matchup there with Trent. Oh, yeah, 100%. We'll get on to, I'll get on to Trent a bit later on yeah. because I he had a game. fantastic game. But defensively, we know that that's going to be a problem. And he got caught a few times, not just for the goal, but where Martinelli would sort of hold that wider position yeah. and make Trent accountable. Now, we... We try to get across to deal with the ball, and Robbo does his best to get there. After you know, Verge has a moment where he slips too. Like I think there was just we saw Canate slip a lot in the game too. Like I don't know what the issue was there with the boys, but end of the day, Martinelli pokes the ball home, and you can see Robbo's face straight away. He's just like you know, here we go again, type of scenario. Arsenal absolutely dominated oh, yeah, up until 100%. that point where Jesus scores. Yep. Again, same thing. Ball comes down the right. What a header, though, from Jesus to get up, what put a, it side netting. What a ball from Martinelli, too. Just sure. absolutely picks him out. And again, scores one goal, creates problems for the second goal. I'm sitting there going, what is going on down this right flank this whole season? Because we just can't... That's where we, we're leaking goals. And that's why it was funny that the goal, the, the, the first goal actually came down, defensive issues on the left. Yeah. But from that minute... Xhaka fires up Trent and Trent pushes him back and gets a yellow card and he's doing the big double hands up to the crowd. 
you knew something was coming. Yeah, it was a di- it was a different trend, and that's the trend that he's a weird one to speak about because when we're on our pomp, and I say where I'm wearing a Liverpool uh, jacket for people that aren't listening or watching, watch us on YouTube, please. Uh, but uh, with that being said, when Trent is in a side where you need defensive stability, we're we're not the team for that. Yeah, you saw Gomez against Chelsea, good shift, defensively solid. When we need Trent is where we need him for when he's creating or has the second goal. He has that moment of magic to make Zinchenko look like he's 12. You yeah. know, and the back to the schoolboy days of getting megged and you think the world's going to fall apart. Um, that's the when the Trent we needed. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again and I'm going to pitch this question to you about Trent. His initial movement for the goal comes from the middle of the park where Weak Henderson, goal. our second goal, where Henderson, um, you know, actually takes the ball outside of him as the right back, for instance. Yeah. And yet again, it just makes me just say that when we need to be defensively solid, he has to move into the middle of the park. Yeah. Because I think he would be one of our best midfielders. And then in and the we've games... Got a, we've game, got a midfielder problem at the moment, so... Yeah. And then the games where we're against the weaker sides, where we're going to be, you know, Bournemouths or, you know, whatever, where we're going to be on top of the opposition 24-7, then yes, you play Trent because at, at right back because he's not going to do as much defensively. Teams will still target, but... I'd rather rush him go up against, you know, the Bournemouth wingers than Martinelli, yeah. for goodness sake. So, you know, and if you watch the movement for that second goal, he originates from centre mid, right centre mid. Yeah. Um, so my look, question to you is, surely that's the area that we would target. Yeah, look, I was going to bring that to this episode as well because, for me, our right central midfielder anyway, whether it's Elliot, whether it's Jones, yeah. drift wide regardless. So I actually think that's the perfect spot for him long-term in this team because he can then get up and down, do the shuttle work, box to box, but he can also then venture out right. When Salah wants to cut in, he's got the quality to then put the ball into the box. I think long-term, that's his spot. I think as a team, we really need to target getting a right back in because we saw how dominant he was in that second half, taking shots, creating space, finding options, little flick passes with him and Salah. He actually had the most complete, offensive game for I've seen for him 100% for the season but maybe bar the Leicester game where he scored two probably one of his best offensive games full stop for Liverpool like from a consistent 60 minute basis yeah. so he's had moments where he's been better and scored goals and things but our whole play ran through him and that got accentuated when Thiago came on as well we then had two guys that were comfortable on the ball in big moments. They were able to pick the right passes out. We saw once Darwin Nunes come on. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself now, but balls were just flying in. Yeah. And it was like, holy moly, this is a whole different dynamic of a midfield. Then you add Harvey to that when fit. Maybe there's something there. So let's transition back. Second, uh, first half, Trent's rolled the crowd up. Salah finds a way to get a goal. That seems to be his ethos this season. Just at times, we'll just... Find a goal. It wasn't yeah. vintage Mo Salah. He didn't take 100 people Poacher's on. Poacher's goal, as I would say. Yeah, right Poacher's man, goal. right area, right time. And that's the hallmark, and look, people are going to slate with this, of a world-class winger. Yeah. You know, he's had a, apparently a really bad and year. And he scored 20-odd goals. And that's a really bad season. And it, it, if you ask him, it probably would be. Yeah. But that's the thing, is that people forget just the longevity and consistency of the man. Um, and, you know, when we really needed it and we were, you know, the crowd's getting in, everyone's fueled up. Yes, he misses a penalty later on. But, you know, uh, to be in that moment in the right space to react as well, you know, put Kanate in that area, you know. Yeah. You see what happens, obviously, in the 94th minute. But, look, and 
it's a it's a moment that I think we deserved in the first half too, uh, and a moment that really probably gave Arteta really food for thought at halftime. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that changed the game. That goal, hundred um, percent. Liverpool came out flying to start the second half and really sustained that for the long periods of the second half. Could have been 2 2 at half time, Paul. Ramsdale makes a big save, and then Henderson buys over the bar. And then so, you've also got Robbo, who should have made it, you know, one all yeah. as well, with it, you know, drags his shot. We had something like 15 shots to six or something, and it was about 60 minutes into the game, but only two of them, two or three, had been on target. You know, that was from an offensive. Like, that's been our problem all year, is that we're not taking our chances. It's what we say when we watch AFL it's a coach killer. Yeah. And look, it's not going to kill Klopp because of what we, as Liverpool fans, hold Klopp in that high esteem. We're not used to that turnover managers. If, if this was Chelsea, and we he'd were Chelsea, gone. he'd be gone already, right? For instance, or, you know, Watford, God forbid, or, you know, yeah. something like that, right? He's going to get his time in the summer. I think he knows that. Um, but with that being said, you can clearly see when it all goes right that we do have the quality there. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested to see, you know, if we can replicate that this second half, which we're about to speak about for the rest of the season. Because if we can, then yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, look, real positive signs there for Liverpool. Darwin comes on again, has a one-on-one, hits it straight at Ramsdale. That's who I want to talk about, though. That might be one of the single most impressive goalkeeper performances I've seen at Anfield for a very, very long time. You want to know what it reminds me of? Back when we were under Roy Hodgson and every away keeper used to come yeah. and go off 20 saves. It yeah. reminds me like Ben Foster at West Brom just flying himself around. everything. Tim Krul doing Tim Krul things back in the day. But it was like such a complete performance from Ramsdale. It, 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 it was scary good. You know, he made big saves in the first half. He keeps them a point. That point could win them the league. Yeah. You know, for instance... You need a world-class keeper in that moment. I know there was a lot of talk when he came into Arsenal. Why are we signing a guy that's going to go, you know, he's been relegated a few times, yada, yada. This guy is so, so, so good, right? When it comes to making big, world-class saves. The Darwin save, yet yeah, straight at him, but off off his line with speed, yeah. big, at, at the ball. Um, you know, we know he's that... If he gets on top of it, he can make himself nice and big sideways because it's just going to be kicked into him. Yeah. I, I yes, Darwin should do better. Yes, Darwin should get chances. Yes, Klopp's. But that was his it. first big chance of the game, too. Correct. He caught him cold. Yes, Klopp's big issues is that we haven't scored enough of these chances. But Ramsdale, what a save! He then pulls off another massive the save one. Uh, against Salah. Deflected shot. Like changes like in the air. <laughs> and any other goalkeeper, I think, in the Prem. But probably Edison and Allison down the other end are conceding. Are probably conceding to that. Yeah, it was a worldy of a save, um, and this is where I think Arsenal have to look. If you told them they'll two new up, they'll probably be disappointed with the point. But I think as the game went on, they would be really happy that they got a point. Where then you add the Canate one in the last second as well, which that's, that's just bounces off his chest. And Canate he... didn't know what was going on. It was, it, was an awkward, it, looked, it was an awkward height for him because he's sort of thinking, I'm going to go for the header, and then he's like too committed, and he couldn't get out of it, and he was kind of falling. He's like, look, end of the day, he's done the right. He hasn't done the right thing there. And the right thing for him is stay on your feet and just smash it in. Yeah. But when he's really committed to the header, the best thing he could do is actually put his chest on the ball. Again, it takes a bloody unbelievable save from uh, Aaron Ramsdale. Great, great agility, great yeah. positioning, and to like be on the like on the line, have the awareness that he's not over the line already. There's just a lot of technicality there in that goalkeeping. And then you add his distribution in there as well. He's a threat from those scenarios too. So if you're Arsenal, you know, you'd probably take a point going into the game. Yep. Obviously, they would have rather three after what Man City did yesterday. But, you know, 
What a game for the neutral. Oh yeah, it was it was fantastic. What a game. There was flashpoints in terms of refereeing and you know some controversy at half time. Um, I just think the biggest thing to take out of that it was a it was a tale of if you're Arsenal, you're disappointed after thirty minutes they only got a point. By the end of the game, they are loving that they got a point because they probably should have got beat. And if you're Liverpool, we're worrying about the worst. I'm worried about getting pumped first yeah. 20 minutes. And I sit there at a 2 2 and I'm like, I'm really glad that I enjoyed probably one of the best games of the season. But I'm also thinking. Walk away, we could have won. I'm like, <laughs> and should have won. Sh- should, should we have just won that game 5 2? Yeah. Like, is that what really just happened? Um, leaves us in a precarious position because I, I, I've mentioned that I feel like we need to basically win out to probably make top four. Yeah. Um, but look, it. it in order As, to do that, give me a midfielder for Fabinho, Henderson, Trent with Gomez at right back and yeah. tell Trent, be that guy. Yeah. Be, be the guy that creates everything for us, either off, off the right flank or centrally. It doesn't even have to be. Be the guy that just sits in and provides cover to let Trent, if he wants to drive, go wide, is wide. And the one man we haven't spoken about just briefly yet is Robbie Firmino. Big moments. Big moments for he Bobby. Loves it, but once he came on and we went into that four-two-three-one, and he sort of kept dropping into that hole, he looked unbelievable. Like... Him, Thiago, Trent were bouncing off each other. Just drops in the space so well. Yeah. And like he's so intelligent and We're gonna he, miss that next year. Yeah, we will. Um and we're transitioning into a different sort of Liverpool phase. You know, Gak probably does do a bit of that as well, to yeah. be fair to him. He wasn't too bad. Yeah, and look, I it's gonna be a weird time for Liverpool next season. It's not about Liverpool really. Diaz coming here. back. Another one. Which is, you know, we're not here to speak about what could be for Liverpool Football Club as much as we would love to. Yeah. I I, I wanna take it back to the fact that Arsenal under previous seasons and Arsenal not being in this position ever as a champion, you know, a champion's uh, elect sort of or a, 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 a title contender have managed to still find a point. The great word used to be, what Gary Neville used to say about Sir Alex was, you used to draw a game, everyone used to be, uh, and Sir Alex would be like, that's one point game. That's not yeah. two points lost, that's one point game. They're still in a position where because they haven't lost, as long as they grind out the result against City, yeah. it's, it's theirs yeah. to lose. Where... Yeah, look, don't get me wrong, they would love to match City's results all the way through, but you're telling me that Anfield's a place where you're really going to target three points? Yeah, you're just happy you yeah, hold off. Yeah, exactly. So I think from an Arsenal perspective, really good point. Uh, for us, disappointing, but we'll 2 nil down, so we'll take it. Take it all day long, and we've got to what? make some serious points up to get into the top four now that we've just got to win out almost. So Correct. Uh, uh, my only last question before we wrap up here, Paul, is... Do we have claims for a late doors penalty? Nah. I think if because Salah doesn't throw himself into the ground, more so. But I think he... Look, there was hands around him, 100%. But I don't think it's forceful. Enough. I think in that moment, he needs to do everything to stay on his feet. Because I think he's gone, I'm not going to get a shot away here. And you can see there's a, there's a clear change in Salah's physical stature. Yeah. That he throws himself back. And yeah. I think that's the point where it goes... Nah, it's exaggerated. But if he's trying to get a shot away yep. and then there's a shirt grab, then I'd say yes. And this is where I want to say, that happened in the 96th. In the 94th, there's a ball kicked over the top. He gets Scott's on Tierney and he swings it over the bar. You watch Tierney as he turns, he grabs him, yep. pulls him and drags him back. Yep, I saw if that he on, doesn't, on if his he, right if foot. He, if he doesn't grab Salah, Salah's over the top of that and scores. I thought that was more of a penalty. So for me, I'm going to say that the one from Gabriel... Not a pen at all. If anything, booking for simulation. Yeah. Whatever, right? Which would be very harsh. That Tierney run, for me... That was a pen. That's a pen and a red card because he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. That For me, that I, I was thinking the same. For me, that's... 
He's running in behind. Correct. I can't keep up with him. I'm just going to hold him he's in now. He's smart, though. He holds him up and then lets him go. But by that stage, he's already dragged him back that his body's already going backwards. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, if Salah just gets about the ball and just goes down, Tierney's red card, penalty... Well, look, Salah's already missed one. Well, Salah oh, wouldn't take it. I'd be uh, giving it to Fabinho. Oh, yeah, same here. I would have given it to Fabinho. Oh, no, sorry. He was, already, he was off the pitch at that point. Ooh, who Probably... did you give it to? Ooh, Jordan Henderson. Out. Yeah, anyway. We need to talk about Liverpool penalty takers in another video. Done, done, done. But uh, what a game. Great moment. Big moments. Controversial moments. He's going to go down as one of the games of the season. Yeah, had absolutely everything. So, look. Fantastic work there. So, we'll transition into a bit of continuing the conversation around Arsenal. But we got to touch on Man City. 4-1 <laughs> over Southampton. And that presents an interesting challenge now for the title race. The title race is on. Massive. 100% on at the moment. Man City now, with that draw, they would be loving life after Liverpool getting a draw because six points, game in hand, game at the Eddie had to play. Better goal difference. Would you say that the title's in City's hands at the moment? It's in both of their hands because of that. I'm going to put their runs, one there, one there. For the YouTube. For the YouTube video. Manchester City's run compared to Arsenal's is significantly better. So City get Leicester than Arsenal. So we'll yep. know in a couple of weeks' time what the situation is. Then they go Fulham, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Chelsea, Brentford, and a game against Brighton still to play. Which will probably be in game week 35 or 37. And then Arsenal go West Ham, Southampton, Man City, Chelsea, Newcastle, which that's the three there, we'll yep. know. Then Brighton, Forest, and Wolves. On the last day, I always say both those teams are playing sides that will be fighting relegation too. So, and they're never easy. Yeah, but you think both those teams with the quality they have will still beat those sides. Also uh, important to know that Man City is still in the Champions League and the FA Cup as well. So there's still a few extra games for City to play. Granted, though, they've got the squad depth. You'd think to cover correct those and, games. And this is what makes City so good is that their second eleven could win the Premier League. Yeah, hundred percent. And they they can fight on multiple fronts. Where Arsenal, they're if that was still in Europe, I would worry a bit more that yeah, it's yeah. in City's hands. I, I, I Look, the reason why I say it's in both their hands, that game week well, 33 it is, is in both is, hands. Is, it makes it in both hands. Because if City go out there and win, then yes, on goal difference, then so be it. Which you could definitely technically say to Arsenal, well, go and overturn the goal difference. Trust me, we tried to do that yeah. back in 2013. It doesn't work that way. You, you start leaking goals for fun. Um, so I'm going to say, and this is, might be controversial, I reckon it's more in City's hands than it is Arsenal's hands, and this is my reason why and you might bite me back on this, is because they've been there and because they fought with Liverpool for so long and because Pep was a serial winner, they will know how to keep the pressure on. Yep. They've done it for so many years. Yeah, they love a chase, don't and they? And they, they, it's like giving a dog a bone and just dangle it in front of them. And they just go, there you go, there you go. They, they will be there and they will... Maul and nip at Arsenal. Oh, I can see a world where Arsenal, and it's only because they haven't lacked the experience, but they could, could capitulate. I don't think they will, yeah. because if they did, they would have conceded five against us. Well, I think we saw a bit of that, you know, against Liverpool. I think they got two new up and thought, okay, they they stopped playing. They completely stopped playing for a large period of time. I will say the outliers. It's Anfield. It is Anfield, but you got to play what's in front of you. There was an opportunity there to stay eight points clear. And they, they went in their shell and struggled to get out of it. Correct. So I think they're going to learn from that experience. Maybe we need to just keep playing. 
because they could, they went and they dropped in and they allowed Liverpool back into the game. They played to the Anfield crowd. They fired up. There was a lot of things there that if you're trying to win a title, got wrong. And you've got, they had eight points. Cool. It's now six. Yep. You've still got a bit of breathing room. But that's the one and done opportunity for them to know we need to play the way that's put us in this situation yeah. versus you know, getting ahead and then dropping because... Premier League, that's the gap. The yeah. gap is tiny. And if you're off it by a couple percent, teams will take advantage. If you go to Aston Villa and you give Ollie Watkins at the moment half a, half a yard, he's going to take it. So Arsenal use that as a learning experience that every single game really that they're going to play is going to be played at that intensity from now on. Everyone wants to be the team that's going to knock and change this title, but also support themselves. Because so many teams are fighting that relegation battle as we yeah. spoke about last week. So many teams are chasing to get into Europe. Yeah. So every game means something for someone at the moment, except for, I would have said Aston Villa, but now they've actually pushed themselves that far up that they're in the Europe hunt now too. The, the, the only team that literally a game doesn't mean anything for them at the minute is Chelsea. Outside of, uh, people above Chelsea, people below Chelsea yeah. is literally... <laughs> that, they're the like, only mid-table <laughs> side at the moment. Pretty much. And even then, they've got Frank, so uh, they might be in trouble. <laughs> they might not win a game for the rest of the year. But anyhow, that's not who we're here to speak about. I will say this. In this title fight, I've always been the big believer. I'd rather have the points on the board. I think that pressure does add a little bit into it. I'm still going to say that I think it, it. I think it's more in City's hands because they're going to have the opportunity to go and beat Arsenal. Yeah, at home too. That makes a big difference. But I think if I had to give it a percentage, you know, when they do the win percentage for the game, I think it's 55-45 yeah. in favour of Arsenal. Ooh. See, I'd say it's that, that way in City because I think we can... Points on the board. Points on the board is big, but... For for City, though, I think more games for them is a good thing. Yeah, More run into more players. They're going to be sharper. They're in that play, rest, play, rest mode. Yep. I think the way, you know, Haaland is oh. looking at the moment. Can we just say how scary good is he? We take him for granted. Yeah. I didn't captain him in fantasy this week because I was worried that he wasn't going to start. The guy can literally start just 45 minutes and win you a game in 45 yeah. by himself and game over he is I've never seen such a dominant striker in the Premier League he is scary good if he stays in the Prem longevity we are watching the greatest Premier League striker of all time yeah, longevity and that's if you know injuries as well which they've actually managed pretty well yeah. this year so and, and Grealish is coming to the fore yeah 100 million winger that's just been sat on the bench for 18 months and has decided to be the Jack Grealish from Aston Villa. You know, on the other side... Confidence, you, mate. It's just confidence. 100% it's confidence. But I think there's been a tactical shift that's allowed him to be a bit more creative. I think Ake at fullback versus Cancelo gives him a license to Correct. be a bit more expressive because with Cancelo, obviously, he drifted inside a lot more, which means Grealish had to kind of be on the flank. So Grealish is benefiting from a change in role. Yeah. I think De Bruyne's now starting to tick again. The ball for... Harlan's goal was unbelievable. He's, you know, he wasn't really firing this season as well. Gundogan's just popping up and scoring goals. But and he always has. He always does that. But then you've got Rodri just at the base, controlling it all. Stones drifting in off the right. There's a lot happening for City in a positive direction. And we'll see a lot from this Bayern Munich, you know, couple of legs that they're playing now too. But this title race is a, a very, very interesting one because... It's two teams that are polar opposites that have polar opposite run-ins for the rest of the season. 
and I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen. I, I'm leaning City, as you said, experience. They've got players that have been there and done it. They're going to be in that play, play, play mode where they're not having to think about a game for a week. How's Arteta going to deal with this situation? Again, it's the first time in his career that he's been in this position. Saliba's not 100% fit at the moment. I think that's going to make a big decision on what's going to happen for them. Gabriel, you know, for as good as he is, normally has a mistake in him at some point. There's probably going to be a dumb red card in there between him and Xhaka. I think there's going to be little cracks. You know, these guys... Experience is key. It took Liverpool multiple times before we got over the line over this Man City team. Correct. I think, again, the depth of Arsenal is what worries me. One or two injuries, one or two suspensions, and their depth isn't there to step in other than forward of the pitch. Yeah. I think if you can get Trossards involved and whatnot, you know, Reese Nelsons and Eddie and Ketchers, I've shown this year that they're capable. I think we've got to also recognise that a lot of the points that have put Arsenal in that position have been from positions where it's been very unlikely and that's not sustainable. So I'm thinking back to Bournemouth. I'm thinking back to Aston Villa. Correct. There's been lots of Manchester United. There's been lots of games where, yes, they've stuck at it right to the end. Is that sustainable? The only thing I will say is that uh, a certain Sir Alex Ferguson made his made his money by yep. being able to produce those moments consistently time and time again. Now, I'm not going to say I tend to Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson, so calm down, United supporters. Don't worry. I regard Alex as the greatest of all time. But um, what I will say is that championship winning sides always find a way, no matter what's in front of them, to grind out those results. And they've done it time and again and again. So I'll play devil's advocate. If they're going to keep grinding out these unlikely results, what happens when it goes their way? Yep. What happens when they are going to be in these games and they are going to be ahead? If today was the lowest point that we were going to see from Arsenal and I still managed to pick up a point, yeah. they're going to have enough bottle about themselves where, look, it's going to get down to that final day. It's going to get tight and tense. Game week 33 is going to decide it for me. The only reason I have Arsenal 55-45 is points on board because... City know they have to chase, and that could leave enough on the break for Arsenal to set in, sit deep, change everything completely, be very much Chelsea S 2013 against Liverpool, where they time waste for minute one, and then hit them on the break because they've got the players to do it. Yeah, and they do have serial winners there. Gabriel Jesus is sitting there as a multi Premier League winning striker, Man. and he steps up with a goal today. I think he's going to have his say, and. It, look, I, I'm saying Arsenal only because they've got points on the board, but I think that all the experience and all the knowledge and all the running all equates to City. I'm very much a man that's... I'm not going to sit on the fence, but I'm a man that's going to say after game at 33, we'll know who'll win the title. Yeah, so I'm going to go on a limb. I, if I had to pick someone right here right now, I'm picking City for those reasons. Put, I mean, it this, put it this way. I'm a betting man. If City were paying more than $2.50 to win the <laughs> title from here, I'd be on them. Yeah, so look, I think... Watch with intrigue. Again, we'll be able to touch on this in a couple of weeks' time once we've seen a little bit more from the run-in and what that's going to look like, especially if Arsenal potentially drop points. You know, their, their run in particular, when you're looking at teams, they've got West Ham who are fighting for, for their lives at the moment. Southampton at the Emirates, you'd say, would be a comfortable win. So, look, Arsenal needs six points from yep. the next two. If they drop any points going into that City game... City are going to be smelling blood. Correct. That's the factor for me that then are things going to change? Then is there going to be concerns around their ability to be in this fight? So, look, get in the comments. Let us know 
what side of the argument you're on here because it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, run back into the Premier League title. Correct. All right. That's two big teams covered. For the listeners at home, this whole Premier League, not just the title fight, has been mental this week. We've got a few games we want to touch on before we wrap up. Where do you want to start? We've got a few things. Should we start with the negative? Should we get the negative out of the way? Yeah, go. Marcus Rashford for Manchester United. That's who Liverpool are chasing. We're chasing United. I think we're 10, 12 points back. I don't know if we're chasing United, United, but as in like, they're the team to be aiming towards and if you fall just short, then so be it. Because I think they've got... I, I feel like Newcastle points. is a team that, that will drop. Well, we're 12 points behind both of them. So I don't think we... Look, I don't think we finished top four anyway, but from here. We had the win last night. Yeah. But the big issue for Manchester United is that Shaw's already out with an issue. They then go and lose Marcus Rashford. And he knew straight away, the minute he pulled up, it was, get, get me, me off. off, this isn't good. And his goals are what have put them in this position. Correct. He creates the Martial goal. He puts it on a platter for him, to be perfectly honest. If he's out long term, and that even means three, four weeks... They are in serious, serious strife of really missing out on Champions League football because I don't see where the goals come from if he's not in the team. Oh, his name's Weghorst, mate. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, You're I, lucky I, this isn't going on YouTube. Yeah. You the look I just gave Damo. Oh, jeez. It was very. It was a very, <laughs> very look of disgust. Uh, it was more look of disgust when you saw the Mo. Anyhow, um, I really worry for United in that circumstance. I, I Look... I think if Rashford was fit, they would finish third, and Newcastle would be the one that will be yeah. the one we're looking at. Um, it's it's one of those ones where they need to find some clean sheets. And don't get me wrong, the defence has been okay. It's been decently good. I just don't know if they're not keeping clean sheets, are they really going to score two goals in a game? Yeah, that's my worry. I think that's the worry. We need to see Bruno get further forward. If they need to. But obviously, because Casemiro... Ericsson went straight into that pivot as yeah. soon as he came on. So between Casemiro and Ericsson, one of them will sit in that pivot, which will free up Bruno. So that's a positive. Yeah. I actually thought Sancho looked better on the left when he, he played as well. I think that's got to be his spot long-term. I think Rashford is now transitioning into being a striker. The right-hand side's the right-hand side. Anthony hasn't shown it yet. But again, he's a young player, first year in the league. I don't want to hammer him about it. Correct. There's signs there. If he's doing this next year, you know, this time next year, and it's still this is the level of production that he's producing, then look, I'm uh, very much going to be in that category of let's start slating him. Yeah. Um, I think the big one for me, which we haven't mentioned, is Matt Carroll came off the bench. He finds a goal. He just doesn't he, stay fit. He's the one that if he stays fit for the next eight, eight yeah, seven games, goals. then they will finish top four. If he gets injured now... Again. Yeah, which is likely because they have Cas- to rush him in. And Casemiro gets suspended again. Which is possible. <laughs> which, to be fair, up until this year, Casemiro's been a pretty pretty good boy on the football path. Then I think they've been massive, massive trouble. Yeah. I think there's enough about it that they'll be okay. If, if I was United, I'm not worrying about Liverpool. I'm worrying more about Brighton. if I, lo- I lose a game and Brighton have two games in hand on me, what are they going to do? 100%. So... Look, let us know what your thoughts are around Manchester United as well, guys, because, again, very, very interesting next two, three weeks uh, coming up for United, depending on injuries. Shaw gets back, Rashford gets back, then uh, steady the ship, but that's not uh, 
overly likely. I think with the nature, I think it's a hamstring for sure and it's a groin for Rashford. So, look, let's move on. Big, big game for Champions League qualification. Two clubs that are in polar opposite spots at the moment as well between Spurs and Brighton. Now, everyone knows the result. 2-1 to Tottenham, which is a huge, huge win for them, isn't it? Because... Galini in charge. Uh, Galini, what's his name again? Yeah, it's something like that. It's Italian. Yeah. Anyway, the caretaker in charge. You would have thought wheels were falling off. I would never have predicted Spurs to get a result against Brighton in the form that Brighton have been in. We'll touch on briefly some of the issues that happened in that game. Harry Kane just keeps on ticking along because that's what he does. And Sonny Boy. Finally. We've been ripping him, and he's absolutely pulled out a weldy uh, to get so the game rolling. About time, too, for Son. I mean, he's a quality player, and he's eventually going to turn the form around, and I think maybe the, the shift in manager might be the thing that frees him up. Maybe, and, you know, maybe it was him and Conte not gelling as well, and now this is might give him some confidence to spread those wings that we know can be very much spread very wide. Yeah. He's a quality footballer. I, I love watching when Son's on form because he's scary to watch. Yeah. And I love players that make you, like, scared. I don't want to face that guy. I don't want to see Liverpool play against that guy because, you know, yeah. you give him a bath. Um, Kane's Kane. Like, we can speak so many superlatives about Kane. The fact that all the attention has been on Haaland, you look at Kane's stats this year. and it's and a, He's only a few goals behind him. He's elite. He is... You know what the scary part is? If Kane was at... Man City would do the same things Harlan's doing right now, and that nearly happened yeah. last year. Um, Harry Kane, yet again, if Spurs are finishing the floor, would he leave? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on the manager they bring back. It depends if they go and get Nagelsmann. Yeah, anyway. It, it's, it's a massive win for them because they need to finish top four. Do I think they'll finish top four? No. And the main reason I say this is they had no right to win this game of football. Yeah. I don't think they had any right to win this game of football. And as someone that watches Brighton, you know, I've penciled it in my diary. Watch Brighton. They're that good. What Deserby done this year has been that good. It's almost a travesty what happened this morning to Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just... Sometimes teams cop the rough end of decisions. And, you know, you don't want... More than a rough end. Yeah, but you don't want seasons being defined by that level of refereeing decisions. And that's my concern with it. There's that much money invested in VAR doesn't matter how much money you put into VAR, it's the people that operate it, and that's the issue. So the I consistency's not there. There's always someone. Liverpool got the the rubber green the last couple of years. Yeah. It happens. Arsenal fans, I know, were quite vocal about some issues they had, especially I remember the, a few Aubameyang goals that got rubbed out that then they came out and said, no, he was actually onside. So I know that there's been issues there, and it's, it is a part of football, but it, shouldn't, it almost shouldn't be a part of football now, and they've got time allocated to get the right decision. And that's my, my, my issue with it. My, the, the thing that I can't comprehend is, okay, if there's one clanger, then so be it. There's one. It can happen. One bad decision. There's three bad decisions that go get Brighton and all three of them would lead to goals. Yeah. Right? There's three absolutely massive bad decisions. The goal should always stand because it's never handball. The guy's got his back turned. It's hit, hit, from the camera where you watch it from on the street, it hits his hip first, his arm's up against him, it might clip his elbow. And which they've said, if the ball flicks up and hits you, they're not giving. Like, the ones that hit the thigh and roll up, they don't give them. I'm still in a position that Loris would save it. If anything, the deflection makes it easier for the keeper to make a save. So, you know, I think the fault's squarely with Loris anyway. But it's never it's never handball. The one from Matoma, it's hit him, and you see it from the first thing, it's hit him like... Shoulder. You know, shoulder, shoulder to like, not even muscle area. It's more shoulder to collarbone area than anything. 
how they give that handball is ridiculous. If that's hit his arm, that's going to be massively away from him. He's not going to be able to volley it. Yeah. And the touch wouldn't be as forward as in front of him. That's never handball. If, if, it, if that's handball, why is he not getting booked slash sent off for trying to deliberately handle a ball for a goal-scoring opportunity? Yeah. Never occurs. The biggest one for me, which is the biggest mistake a lot, is the penalty on Matoma. A, how the referee doesn't give that in real time is ridiculous. B, how the referee doesn't blow his whistle then if he thinks the dive and books him for simulation is yeah. ridiculous. And then how VAR misses And then that. how VAR doesn't send, uh, was it Stuart Atwell to I'm the sure. manual? Uh, yeah. to, the, to the monitor? That needs to be looked at. I know their PMGOL is going to come out and say whatever they're going to say. But that's three goals that should have stood. We should have seen Spurs behind the eight ball and Spurs should have lost that game. And the reason why I'm so passionate about it is Man City got lucky last year with a massive handball against Everton. It decided a title. This one's on a little bit of a lesser extent, and there might be something that decides a title later on, which I hope it doesn't. But it can decide European spots, which is big money, though. And for a club like Brighton, this is the biggest spot they've ever been in in their you know, history. Yeah. It shouldn't be just and right that that is the case. If you can't get guys that can... Operate it properly. And for me, the referee's at fault first. Because yeah. the referee's got to be making... The, the referee's got to still make the correct decision. If the correct decision on field was that the, the handball goal for McAllister's a goal, then it should stay as a goal. No evidence to overturn it. Exactly. If the decision for Matoma is it's a goal, and then you can clearly see in the thing, the Lions was made the great call. Nah, it's hit him up here, it's hit him up here, it's fine. Then that's the decision. It's a goal. Yeah. There's no clear and obvious overturning thing. It is referees too scared to make big decisions in the booth or on the field that's going to impact European spots I, or title There decisions. you go, you've said it perfectly. And though. that is the reason why there is the poor decision-making you saw in that game because the referee was too too scared to go, you know what, that's actually a goal and that's massive. That's well, actually a goal and it's away at Spurs. That's massive. Well, the problem is... That's a penalty, but we better not send him to the VAR, to the VAR box. So the problem is the ref doesn't want to make the decision, but then the VAR person then doesn't want to overturn the ref. So then they're both too making scared to do... the wrong call because the ref doesn't want to make it. The ref should make it because if the, if the ref gets the call wrong, then it can be saved. You know what I mean? So if you let the goal stand, and then there's evidence to 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 overturn it, then the VAR like there needs to be no judge. It's almost like there's judgment. Like yeah. it shouldn't matter if the if the VAR says overturn it, it's because they haven't seen something, and that's fine. But I think no one wants to upset each other. Yeah. So they stay with the ref's decision, although the ref's probably making the decision under the proviso that VAR's there to change the decision which they're not doing because then they're saying it's not clear and obvious power needs to be in the hands of the referee that's my view on it and ref should ref the game as it's seen don't even ref like the VAR exists yeah and if you get a thing in your ear saying hey go look at it that's the one thing the Premier League doesn't do well enough is send refs to the monitor to then remake their mind up every time a ref goes to the monitor it's because You've really missed something, something. And, and you know it's being over. The minute a Premier League ref goes to the monitor, you know it's being overturned. Yeah, I think and that's not how once. it should be. I think something it, happened once where that hasn't been overturned once. Exactly, and that's not how it should be. It should be go look and remake your decision. That's what it should be. It's not you've missed this, look at it and change your mind. It should be, hey, I reckon there's something here. Go look at it. It's your decision, not mine. I'm in the booth, not my call, your call. I think you should look at this again. And yes, I think the reason they don't do that is because if they start doing that all the time, fans are going to go nuts because the game keeps stopping. 
So it's a double-edged sword. Do you use the technology properly or do you have what they have now? I think fans would rather the game stop for an extra minute every time. To make the right yep. decisions. Yeah. We're not saying you got to then bar every goal or any penalty, every penalty shout or anything like but that. But anything that's 50-50, just go look at it again because when you see it in a, from a different angle or you see it not at, you know, I don't like them making decisions not at full speed, but when you get to see the same incident happen a few times and you can hyperfixate on what the issue is, then, then you're going to get it right. Yeah. Otherwise, you shouldn't be a ref at the Premier League level. Look, it was atrocious refereeing. You know, my old man's a, a amateur league ref that used to ref, um, you know, top flight Australian football before it became Australian football what was the national league called yeah NSL that's it right back in the day when he was young and fit and when he comes to me at Easter Sunday and goes can you please get the Brighton game on for me on my phone I need to see this and he's there shaking his head and he's been in a, a, a federation and referee inspector for years and he's shaking his going how do guys at this level yeah make these decisions really shows you that they've done something wrong when, when we're here as fans watching the game and you go wow that's really bad these are the elite of the elite. You yeah. can't have this in such a big paid money league with such big paid decisions on the line where the money ramifications are massive, club club's stability is massive. Well, they and get the Europe to, or go down. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, it does dictate that. That's yeah. the problem. It's like, if Brighton don't get their transfers right, they don't finish in Europe, and then they don't get their transfer in two years, what stops them from being in a relegation fight? Yeah. Look at Leicester. Yeah. You know, it, 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 that's how big of a decision it could be, and that's the snowball effect. And what, they're going to get a, a sorry? And yeah. that's it? Sorry that you're playing Europa League and not Champions League because you sorry missed out on two points. Sorry you're finishing eighth because, points. you know, this stops your momentum. Yeah, look, it, it's not good enough. We could harp on it a lot. I, I just really think that the, out of all three, the worst one is the Matoma Penry because if a referee really thinks that's not a foul, then that simulation, you've got to book him for a yellow and that forces a game to stop, which then forces them to get the right yeah. decision. For me, it's just lack of bullies for a referee. You had, you, had, you know... Kalina, uh, Pierre Luigi Kalina throwing himself into players and making decisions left, right, and centre. You had in the 1982 World, 1978, uh, 1978 World Cup, uh, a penalty inside 40 seconds. An English referee gets a penalty inside 40 seconds of the World Cup final. Yeah. Those referees that put the balls on the line goes, that's my decision, and that's the Same it with is. the Salah one in the Champions League final against Spurs. You make the decision. Yeah. And that's your decision. It's up to Bar to go, that's why it's overturned. Yeah. Or, that's or why look, look at, at it again. It. Look at it again because we think of this. It, it should be just have a look at this because I think that there's enough contact to maybe warrant you to look at it. Yeah, and we Doesn't can have another conversation it, about it. But go and have a look at the Matomas thing. And if he somehow turns around and goes, oh, no, he's barely touched And he can justify it. Yeah. And then I'm going to turn around and go, well, I still think you're wrong because Matomas has been actually stomped on, but I can understand you had a look and that's your reason for it. Yeah. I actually, and look, this might sound really bad to you as well. The one thing I wish they did, and look, it's an NFL thing. Yeah, I would love to hear the conversation between referee and VAR because that would give you an insight. There's the one thing that A League did really well when they mic'd up. Uh, who's the Aussie uh, guy in the championship at the minute? Uh, oh, referee. I can, I can picture him. Oh, yeah, yeah um, with the black hair. Is uh, it Williams? What's his name? No, 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 it's not. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, anyhow. We got that right when the A-League did that because it gave the fans the insight. I would love to hear that in the Prem. They're not going to do that because it's going to slate referees. I'm sorry, but you're in the modern day and age. If you're making decisions like this, we need to know that information. And the problem with it as well is that the ref- fans in the ground have no idea what's going on. Like They have less knowledge than what's going on because they don't actually get to... They don't see the footage. Yeah. They're just waiting for the decision. So Which- they just sit there and that creates angst and that's why they don't want to do it. Yeah. Put the thing on the screen. Like... 
It's so dumb. Like, put the replays on the screen. Like, stop someone pulling out their phone while they're in the stands and watching it with their mates. There's no dumb data that doesn't work. But yeah. anyway, that's enough on referee talk. We don't like the bash refs too much. One last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up, because we've actually gone over what we thought we we're going to go over today as well. Crystal Palace. Roy. Roy boy. He's going to have emphysema at some point of this season, I reckon, for being out in the cold. He's that old, but... 5-1 from being 1-0 down away from home. What That is a statement. Mate, it's, it's the Roy effect, mate. He is the... He's, he's Sam Allardyce, <sighs> but on drugs. He's, he's incredible. Someone needs to wrap him up in cotton wool and make sure this guy lives to 100. And he can only manage from April to May. And that's it. <laughs> Palace's new strategy is get a manager that can get him into a decent position and then get Roy to get him into Europe. That That's the thing. Oh. Or, or Roy has to sit somewhere in the Palace... Stadium yeah. every game, right? He, he gets a throne. <laughs> yeah, he just he, he's incredible. I, I, by the way, when Elise and Eze are on, my yeah, word, they are ticking, and that, that that was a joy to watch. They're great footballers to watch. Um, I, I'm going to make this brave. I said this off Eddie. I'm going to make this brave thing. Under Roy, and with now big big Frank at Chelsea, I actually think Palace will finish ahead of uh, Chelsea. Well, they're six points back, so with eight games to go, so there's a a, a world where that happens, and I 100 agree with it. I think really at the moment there's two mid-table teams and it's Fulham and Chelsea and we were talking about Crystal Palace potentially going down last week. That was before Roy got announced? Roy no, got Roy announced and announced. we said that he that would be okay because Roy would come in and yeah. settle the shit which he has. Um, but yeah, look, a few other big results there in the in the, in the the fight for survival. It's still yeah, going to get Wolves, tight and tense. Wolves getting a win over Super Frank. Yeah. So look, I think that's where we're going to leave it for this week, guys. Another big, big week of Premier League action in the books. Thank you so much for listening along. Damo, thank you for being here as well. As always, mate. Big weekend of sport. Um, big weekend of Premier League football. Uh, I honestly see a world where the title fight, the European fight, and the relegation fight all go down to the final day. Yeah, and it's going to be one of the best seasons we've had in a very, very long time as well with this relegation fight, the race for Europe and the title fight. Make sure you are sticking around, guys. Make sure you jump over to Paulie29 on YouTube if you want to see any of the clips from today. We're wrapped up on there too. Make sure that you're subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all those other platforms that we are on so you get notified when we're live and jump in the Discord because I normally whack a little message in there when I'm getting the pod ready to go. So once again, another huge weekend of sport done and dusted and we'll see you next week for another episode of the PD Sports Podcast.